Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Long Shot Podcast. I am your host, Duncan Robinson, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Davis Patrick Reed. Davis, how are we doing? I am great, Duncan. The NBA is back. We are here. It's opening week. Uh, you know, nothing to complain about. Everything's great. How are you? I'm I'm feeling great as well. You know, you, you said it. NBA regular season is back. I actually don't love when people say now the NBA is back. I mean, I, I think it kind of discredits the preseason, uh, not to mention all those guys in the preseason who are, are trying to like make a job. I, I was one of those guys at one point. So it, it's a little bit discrediting for you to now say that the NBA is back. I feel like it's been back for a little while. I mean, we just played six preseason games. Um, so I feel like the NBA has been back at the start of training camp. But with that being said, I am ready to officially start the 2021-2022 NBA regular season. We have spent a couple, uh, several weeks on this podcast talking about how the preseason doesn't matter that much. And it does, you're right. This is not to discredit you know, when, when if you're fighting for a spot, you were in that position at one point, it obviously matters. But at the same time, you're just, you know, let's call a spade a spade, Dunk. Where you are now in your career, the preseason is for you to get your legs under you, see a couple shots go in, you know, start meshing with your teammates. The real show starts this week. I... I've actually changed up my my tone and my thought a little bit on this. I, I hear what you're saying, but anytime the ball goes up, I'm 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 ready to go. Uh, you're just a competitor. Yeah, I mean, no, it's it's it is interesting though how as soon as the preseason ends, there is a, a noticeably different kind of approach, and it, and it's I don't think it's just with with us. I think it's kind of league wide in that there is kind of that that weird feeling of preseason in that. There's the younger half of the roster that is very, very, you know, locked in. And I'm not not saying the older guys aren't locked in, but it's more so about how can I maximize every single rep in practice? How can I maximize every single opportunity in the game? And then there's this weird conflict of then like older guys kind of doing exactly what you said, getting their legs under you. I mean, I think a great example of it is the the Lakers, what they go, 0-7 in preseason? I don't even um, think they were trying to win. Yeah, which... You know, if I was a Lakers fan, I, I would have liked to, you know, maybe seen them get one. Uh, <laughs> you know, you don't have to go, oh, oh, it's seven. You could sneak a sneak a W in there, maybe one or two of them. Uh, but but nonetheless, you know, oh, and seven is uh, is obviously not telling of what they're going to be doing this season. I wouldn't think, not that I know much, but right. No, no, no. I I totally agree. But I do think this is an interesting. You said your approach shifts a little bit after preseason. I mean, is it? Are you noticeably, is it feel like things have ramped up? Like it's go time? Things feel different this week than they did last week? Well, it's, we have this unique stretch because we had our last preseason game on Friday and then we don't play again until Thursday. So you have these, these five practice days or five days where you can practice and, you know, then it becomes maximizing. Okay. How do we approach these five days? What days do we get off? What days are we practicing? And obviously in those days, you have to practice hard as well. You know, you don't get a lot of hard practice days during the season because the emphasis is always on game. So really the only time you kind of have this feeling is around all-star break and right around now. And a lot of it becomes like, okay, well, we have to like really compete in practice because we don't want to come out flat 
after, you know, being off for five days. So there has been a little bit more of kind of that, that competitive, um, fire and practice, which is undoubtedly a, a great thing. You know, iron sharpens iron in that regard, or at least I'm a, I'm a firm believer of that. But I think also it's, it's interesting too, because other teams are on different timelines. You know, you have the games that are, are played on Tuesday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. So, uh, we don't know the outcome of those games yet, but obviously, you know, the worlds will all be watching those two, uh, great matchups tonight. Yeah. How hard are you guys going in practice? Like I assume a couple of days ago when you have a couple of days before your first game, you can ramp it up a little bit more and then maybe it dies down as you approach game one. But are you guys really getting after it at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's strategic, right? So we have days that are, are kind of more like get what you need days where you know, if you want to get in and get some work in and get some shots up and get a lift in and do that sort of stuff, uh, more of kind of like a personal day, if you will. Uh, we have those sprinkled in and then we also, you know, we've had two really hard practice days where we're, we're locked in on, you know, a lot of five on five, a lot of live stuff, a lot of getting up and down and a lot of kind of like building a, a scheme and structure of what it's going to look like, you know, when the ball goes up on, on Thursday. So it's a, it's kind of a give and take, right. And then, you know, because you have the five days and then usually the, the kind of day before ends up being a little bit more of a mental day uh, where you really try to approach it uh, with, with more like strategy of, okay, we've, we've kind of gone through the physical. Now let's like really train the mental and figure out, put in a game plan and establish a scouting report and do all those sorts of things. Because it's not very often where you have, you know, five days to prepare for a game. Like I said, it only happens twice. So normally, you know, you have a scout that you have to kind of rush in a day before a game or maybe two days out if you get a two day uh two day prep which is pretty unique um but very very rarely do you actually get four or five days to really put in a game plan and prepare well you're also playing the team that you last played in your last nba game so uh you know them pretty well so i don't need i don't know if you need the five days leading up to it but you're you're talking about the mental side of the game it makes me uh think i saw a tweet today that said Carl Anthony Towns pregame ritual this year is watching two, I think it's two gorillas fight each other. That's how he's going to get in the right mind frame uh, to play a, a basketball game. And it made me think, is this something that you should maybe work into your pregame ritual? I know you're a very uh, consistent guy with your regiment. You've done the same thing. You've talked about it on this podcast. You've done the same thing your entire professional career, same shooting routine, and it's worked. Like, let's just, let's be honest. It's worked. You're, you're at a good place in your career, but I think maybe in order to dial it up a notch, we need to, you know, George Kittle, like famously bangs his head on a wall with his helmet. Cats now watching gorillas fight each other. I think maybe we need to build something into your routine that just dials it up a little bit. Look, I mean, I'm, I'm open to, to any, and all suggestions, uh, you know, it'd be great if this could be a, a collaborative think tank between, you know, us two and the long shot community. There's nothing on my mind right now that, that I'm planning on really integrating into the pregame routine. I mean, honestly, if that works for, for Kath and that's fantastic, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's different strokes for, for different folks in, in sure. some ways. Uh, I don't know if I, I necessarily see that working for myself, but I will say like I have watched, I've gone through little stretches, uh, you know, where I've, I've kind of added, obviously I watch like film of the team that we're playing or film of myself and how I've kind of played against them. But also even sometimes I'll just watch like highlights, you know, of, of myself, just, just like having <laughs> good games. You know, if I really just kind of want to like get that mojo going, like, all right, like let's, let's pull up some highlights of, of, of me kind of getting loose. Uh, 
that's not an every game thing. So I, I don't want people to think that I'm just like over here just watching hours and hours of my own uh, footage. But every now and then, you know, if I need a little like morale booster or something like that, I'll, I'll throw on some highlights. How many times a week? How many times a week are you going to YouTube, searching your own name and just going through the videos? Come on, be honest. It's under, it averages out to be under once a week. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what the breakdown is, but yeah, I mean, I'm not, definitely not like on YouTube. I occasionally I'll be like, get, you know, grab one of our video guys and be like, Hey, can you like get all my makes of me coming off pin downs or, or me coming off handoffs or me against this opponent, you know, see how I got my shots last time I played them. Just like little stuff like that. I'm not really going into the YouTube archives. I mean, occasionally I will, uh, but honestly, I I do that more with like you, like with my other friends. Like when, <laughs> when you're over, like we'll just search like Davis Reed highlights. And now we have the incredible uh, long shot made video of the Davis Reed high school highlights made by Jason Gallagher, the very talented yeah. Jason Gallagher. Uh, so every now and then, I, honestly, I probably watch that more than I watch my own highlights on YouTube. I'm watching that over once a week, easy over once a week probably not twice but over once your high school highlights that we 100%. put together you watch over once a week yeah yeah yeah. just to get it's my version of watching the two gorillas fight each other it just gets me in the right headspace so i've heard that you've actually been uh struggling uh to to win your one-on-one -on -one matchups recently I, I know you've made it a ritual to play morning one-on-one -on -one at the university of michigan was yeah. it is it a 5 30 a.m bell is that what it is yeah, we're, yeah, we're getting after it early with Coach Rafferty, uh, part of the women's staff, Harry Rafferty. He's been, he's had my number. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. I played one on one with you in Miami. You beat me. Um, it's not great right now, but you got to understand, I've been out of it for a while. It's one thing to just like stand and catch and shoot. You know that it's like riding a bike; it doesn't leave you. But moving with a basketball, finishing around the rim. And most importantly, getting in a defensive stance and moving laterally are things that your body forgets to do so quickly if you don't play consistent basketball. And so I'm getting back into it. I want you to know that I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm going to get back to a place where I'm competitive. I'm once again calling on the long shot community to help Davis out and to come up with the phrase other than call a spade a spade because you've now used that twice in the first eight minutes uh, of this episode. So please <laughs> help our guy out with some uh, some new vernacular. I'm curious actually though, like you were a, a very good basketball player. You stepped away from the game. What is in, in your eyes the first thing to go? Like from somebody who was playing basketball every single day, working on his game, you had, you know, skill. You could score at all three levels. You could pick up 94. Yeah. Like you could yeah, do some different things. We've talked about how you could, you know, split ball screens, get up and dunk with the left, all sure. those sorts of things. But what is the first part of your game to really just disappear once you step away? I, clarification, I could not guard 94 feet. I could never do that, but I appreciate well, in you. Theory, you were like, you were like the energy guy. Like I'll pick up full, not really actually turn anybody, but it looks like I'm picking up full. I'll pull uh -huh. up my shorts a little bit, you know, maybe yes. slap the floor, clap my hands. Like you were that mm -hmm. type of pickup full. You weren't like actually, you know, Pat Bev, like turning guys in the backcourt. Right. The, or Briante Weber, Briante Weber turning yeah. guys in the backcourt. Shout out to yes. Bree for that one. Bree fan. He, he, Brianna Weber slaps the floor. The, he, that guy, he's like, he coined that maybe. No, he didn't, but he does that quite a bit. I, uh, I'm the stunt at you guy. My least favorite drill in practice was zigzag full court one-on-one. -on -one. Oh my God. It was the worst. Like turn the guy as much as you can. Cause I was just not a good defender, but I'll stun at you. You know, like I'll do a couple jabs, just try to keep you on your toes. And I usually don't cause I'm not a, an intimidating defender to answer your question. 
um, finishing around the rim it is it it just it goes completely. I took pride in my float game in high school. I t- took a lot of pride. I was not I was not elevating over people. I wasn't getting into the body in my finishes. I was finesse. I was throwing it up. Uh, but I I was reasonably effective at it. Not at all anymore. So that goes pretty quickly. Touch around the rim, and then getting uh, again getting in a defensive stance. Your bot. In what other world do you get in a defensive stance and move laterally? None. None, unless you're playing basketball and guarding uh, frequently. So honestly, it's like your body forgets to get in that position or forgets how to. I've actually heard the the touch around the rim one. Um, and, and that kind of makes sense to me just because like it's so much of that is like feel. But I, I do think part of the touch stuff is like it's kind of like an innate skill. It's one of those things where you either have it or you don't. Um Anyways, I, I would love to somehow capture some of that that 5:30 a.m. Uh, one-on-one footage. We'll see what we can do to kind of scrounge some up. I'm I'm in the lab, Duncan. All right, I'm in the lab. We don't need to document the 5:30 footage, but just know that it's me working on my craft. All right, I'm trying to get back. I want to get back to um, you YouTube searching yourself because I just don't believe that you're doing it less than once a week. Um, and it reminds me, the other day I came across a YouTube video. I, I can't. I wish I could shout out who it was. Maybe it was GQ. I think it was GQ. It was Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. And they were doing the uh, Google search questions. So you type in the is Chris Pratt and then you get the top results. And he was answering those questions. And so I did that for you because I was curious what came up for is Duncan Robinson. And I wanted to share this with you. Here are, I'd like, I'd encourage the listeners or the community to try this at home because maybe I have biased results, but here's what I'm getting. Is Duncan Robinson, first is a free agent. Second no, is Duncan Robinson. No, I'm not. Yeah, no. Oh, actually, yeah, I like that. Why don't you Can I live answer, answer these? Yeah, 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 yeah please. That. Is Duncan Robinson a free agent? No, I, I am currently not a free agent. Is Duncan Robinson a good defender? Good is an interesting adjective. I think underappreciated mm. defender. I think fits a little bit better there. So, yeah, I'll take. I'll say underappreciated. Could you even maybe say long shot defender if you're underappreciated? There you go. I like that. Is Duncan Robinson married? I am not married. Not married. Here's my favorite one. Is Duncan Robinson good? So is that referring to good at basketball or is, is right. that referring to like maybe being a good human being? Or just um, like, hey, Dunk, you good? Like everything okay over there? <laughs> or that one. Uh, I could actually answer at least two out of the three of those as yes. Uh, I am good over here. I do like to think that I'm a good human being. The third one is really up to the discretion of, of others, uh, whether or not I'm good at basketball. That's kind of like a relative thing, I would say. Yeah. I, I would say so too. All right, here are two more. I'll give you the two more. Is Duncan Robinson related to David Robinson? No, but <laughs> I have a special uh, moment for you. When we were playing in our preseason game in San Antonio, one of the uh, the very nice ushers uh, at uh, in San Antonio came up to me at halftime. She grabbed me. And I was like just shooting at halftime, and she was like, "Hey, David Robinson wants to meet you." And she had a she has a a mask on, and I couldn't really understand what she said. I just heard Robinson. So I I thought maybe she was like kind of making a joke. So I just kind of like laughed and like 
kind of like turned away. And she like said again, like David Robinson wants to meet you. I was like, oh my goodness, like the Admiral, David Robinson. So I go over and for the first time in my life, I met David Robinson. We had a great conversation. I told him that uh, when I was a kid, I actually had a giant framed picture of Tim Duncan and himself back to back and it read Duncan Robinson uh, and it was in my room. I get asked all the time where your parents Spurs fans. I was actually born prior to (laughs) um, either of them being drafted. So (laughs) wouldn't really make sense. But so no, they're not Spurs fans. But I kind of pseudo became a Spurs fan at one point just because of those two. I will say that. So I met David Robinson, but I'm not related to him. Wow. You still have that up in your room. I was at your I was at your in your childhood room uh, a couple weeks ago for your sister's wedding, and I noticed that that picture was still up. It's a beautiful one, like you said, Duncan Robinson uh, on the back to back jerseys. All right, here's the last one for you: Is Duncan Robinson white? That's a great that's that's a great question. Uh, the answer is is yes, considering my my complexion is white. I do want to say something though, and I, and I've been waiting to bring this up for quite some time, and I recently just leaked it at media day, and it didn't catch on anywhere, which I was okay with because I actually wanted to step into this moment on my own platform to say it that I am actually part Hawaiian. And it's always wow. been, whenever you do the games like Two Truths and a Lie or Name a Fun Fact, I always resort to I'm part Hawaiian. It's a very small percentage. Uh, it comes from the mother's my mother's side of the family. I think she's like an eighth, so that makes me a 16th. But nonetheless, I take a lot of pride in my Hawaiian heritage. Uh, I've been to Hawaii before. My senior year, we played in the, uh, the Maui Invitational. And, you know, I would have thought that going back there, you know, being uh, surrounded by by my compadres, that I was going to play really well in that tournament. Turns out I didn't really at all. Uh, but nonetheless, it was great to be back in the homeland, I will say. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and honest with us there. I really yeah, that was that. that was a big moment for me. Um, so really, yeah. the answer to that question is you're 15, 16th white. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It took me a second to, to wrap my mind around that one, but I see what you did there. Wow. Yeah. Uh, breaking news once again on the Longshot Podcast. We're just full of it here. Do you think uh, Woj or Shams will pick that up? Maybe, right? I maybe, certainly hope so. Maybe Malika on NBA Today will pick up the fact that I'm part Hawaiian. That would be a, a special little anecdote that could be a nice coverage piece for me. Well, you know what? You're right. I think maybe what we need to do is funnel the info. We need to really make sure to blast the information out there just to help it catch fire. Because it's such interesting news that once it's out, how could it not? Um, hey, so we're talking about practice. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is a clip went uh, around social media the other day of you talking to Ray Allen at a practice, uh, which has to be a pretty cool moment for you, I imagine. You've talked about how he was one of the guys that you looked up to coming up, especially as a as a Boston Celtic. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, grew up watching him win a championship in 08. was was one of the best moments of, of my sports fandom. Uh, and then also just obviously the way he plays and how he gets open, how he moves. As I got older and started to kind of gravitate towards the three-point line, it made more and more sense to try to emulate his ability. And obviously it would be very hard to ever do that because he's, he's one of the greatest of all time, uh, particularly when it comes to shooting. But just to have the opportunity to to step aside with him and, and talk, you know, I, I'd spoken to him before. Um, he he comes around you know, the facility every now and then, and now lives in Miami and has lived in Miami for a little while. He's actually 
I think recently became the head coach at Gulliver Prep, which is a high school down here that his son goes to. So uh, it, it was great to just kind of pick his brain and more than anything, just kind of listen. You know, he, he has so many different stories. And the thing that always sticks out to me with him is just how diligent he is when it comes to his routine. And, you know, I, I had heard him talk about this before uh, through various media coverages, but to, to have him talk about how he always took it as borderline disrespectful when people would say like, oh, you have this uh, incredible natural ability to shoot. And he would always resent and reject that because it discredits all the hours and hours and hours of work that he put into his craft. And he said it again. He, he talked about, you know, to Max uh, Struess and myself about how, you know, the, the skill that he developed was just exactly that. It was developed. It, it, it wasn't something that was just ever there for him, but, you know, something that he worked at over and over again. And, uh, you know, his, his routines and showing up early to games and lifting on game days and running on the treadmill, all that stuff is like so um, well covered and, and so well respected and for good reason. It, it was cool to just kind of pick his brain on it and you know, for me, I'm, I'm always trying to kind of add little things, tidbits here and there uh, of advice that I could potentially add into my routine or, or maybe get some ideas or tips on stuff that I should do. Did he shoot at all with you? Did he get any up? No, he did not. But I'll tell you what, uh, he looked ready to go through an 82-game season. I mean, the guy <laughs> stays in elite shape. I think now it's a combination of running and, and biking. Um, but my goodness, he, uh, he's still in, in just top, top tier shape, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, he just kind of always struck me as one of those guys who's just like a worker. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, all right. Can we get to our Reddit question of the week? You got anything else you want to talk about before then? No, that's about it. I would, uh, I would love to get to the Reddit question of the week. I got a feeling this one's going to be a good one. It is going to be a good one. I, I think, uh, you know, like we talked about the, the NBA is beginning this week. And so what I want to know from you, Dunk, or actually, I guess what I should say is what OK Barber 6 wants to know is who is the coolest player in the league right now? So headed into the 21-22 season, if you had to pick someone as the coolest in the NBA, and I'll let you sort of take that in whatever direction, any explanation you want of why, but who is the coolest player in the NBA? I'm going to give three answers because I'm, mm. I'm making up my own rules here. Kind of a cop out, but okay. No, fine. but I'm going to describe each one. One is a is a hometown answer, and I'm going to say PJ Tucker. Ooh. Now he's in, he's in my locker room. Uh, I have a newfound appreciation for everything that he is. I mean, his his sneaker collection is folklore at this point. Obviously, everybody talks about it. It's he has more shoes than you would even ever think to imagine. Even knowing that he has a lot of shoes, he still just blows you away with how many shoes he has to the point where uh, in in our last preseason game, I can't remember why I was talking to, to Josh Richardson during the game because I saw PJ warming up in the same shoes that I was wearing. And from warm-ups to the game, so like warming up like layup lines, like 10 minutes before the game, from warm-ups to the game, he had already changed shoes. And then he changed shoes again at halftime. And I'm like, <laughs> I just have so much respect for the fact that you can just like cycle through shoes like that and just have so many different flavors and, and color styles and everything. Like I overthink to the point where like 
I, I'll wear the same shoe every single game until they just completely wear thin. And then I'm like, oh, God, I have to change shoes. Like, this is terrible. He just cycles them through without a care in the world. And it's just like, gosh, that guy is, is really cool. And he's, you know, doing the fashion stuff. He's at the Met Gala. Uh, he's just a, a cool guy. Uh, my second one is Jordan Clarkson in Utah. I love, I'll keep this one a little bit shorter. I love the Dwayne Wade quote that he uh, gave on, on national television of like, if I could come back in the NBA, it would be as Jordan Clarkson, just dress like fly as shit to every game and then just like check in and score buckets. Uh, that's Fair. my second one. And my third one is an entirely different direction. And I'm going Robin Lopez. He's oh, yeah. had, he's had some moments on this podcast. Uh, his fantastic thespians line. Um, but Robin is just, I think he's a national treasure. Some of his quotes from media day were absolutely all time, including the one about the bucks. Uh, basically him saying that he was doing his own research on whether or not they, they actually won the championship. So those are my three answers, Dave. What are yours? Those are really good answers, but an absolute snub in my opinion is clay Thompson. Like, how are we not putting Clay Thompson in that group? And now that he's boat Clay, I just think he's ascended to another level. If I could be anyone in the NBA, it's without a doubt Clay Thompson. The guy is one of the greatest shooters to ever do it. Uh, an, uh, incredible on the other side of the ball as well. Doesn't need to put the ball on the floor at all, which is documented, right? He's got like the 45 points on six dribbles or whatever, some insane game like that. Uh, and he's just seems like the chillest one of the happiest guys in the league. So I'm going Clay Thompson, but not to discredit your answers. You gave good answers as well. I also, I can't believe I forgot to do this earlier, but you talking about the amount of shoes PJ wore in one game reminds me, I, we talked before this about what we were going to talk about in this front of show. And one of the things that we uh, hypothesis or, or threw out as an option to talk about were your goals for the year. And we wanted to just stay away from it because it's kind of a cliche question. It's just you, you'd answered it in press conferences before, so we wanted to stay away from it. But I wrote down some of my goals for you this year that I forgot to share. Love that. And so Let's hear let, me, let me just quickly share those. One of which is I need you to wear five different types of shoes. Five different types. I'm not talking different pairs. I'm talk, talking different styles, different makes of shoes this year. Five is the number. Okay, can that be can that be the same shoe but a different colorway? I think so. I'll allow it, but it's questionable. Right. I think you can only I think you can only do two different colorways that count. Once you get the third, it doesn't count. I actually okay. have a little something up my sleeve this year uh, from a shoe game perspective. I'm not gonna leak what it is just yet, but I have the creative juices flowing. So just okay. stay tuned for that. All right, good. So hopefully that's a goal you can achieve. That's my first one. Second. Uh, you only get one cliche answer per interview. So as many interviews as I can find, I'm going to be keeping a running track, but only one. And this is a this one is a little subjective, I admit. Um, I'm going to be the barometer of what's cliche and what's not, but I am going to hold you to that. One cliche answer per interview, because I just think you're too bright uh, to be giving the same answers over and over again. It's a challenge I'm going to hold to you this year. Uh, third is I need you on league fits at least three times. I love okay. that challenge. Which I, That's a great which, one. Which I think is attainable. Um, and then finally, I need more than 15 three-point attempts in a game this year. It's your career high. You did it once last year. The year before that, I think you did it two or three times. 15 attempts. We got to surpass that number this year. 
I wouldn't even hate us getting around 20. I, I love all those. Uh, I'm totally here for it. I think that all are within reach. I think the, the most challenging one will likely be league fits, uh, just because <laughs> that's, that's not really the lane that I necessarily like to travel in, but I'm always up for a good challenge. So I, I appreciate you putting forth your goals for me. Uh, I'll, I'll be sure to print those out and, and put them up on my wall. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad I got that those off. I, I forgot that I wrote them down, but the PJ Tucker story reminded me. Let's very quickly get to our long shot feature. This is a great one. Uh, over the weekend, in case you guys were not all aware, the Chicago Sky won the WNBA Finals. They are now WNBA Finals champions. During the regular season, they were just a six seed going into the playoffs. They had a 500 record. They were plus 1,800 odds to win it all. And despite all of that, they took down the Phoenix Mercury and are now, you know, have, have etched their names in WNBA history. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely electric. I was dialed in uh, to really a lot of the playoffs, but especially the finals. It was just high-level basketball, high-level entertainment. Shout-out to Candace Parker. She pulled the LeBron, went back home, brought a championship to her her city. Just incredible stuff. Courtney Vandersloot, I am now. I said this on Twitter. My Twitter account is now just a Courtney Vandersloot fan account because uh, she was electric, just throwing no-look passes, iced game four with a like a one of those jump stop ball fake turnaround fade mm. game just it, it was it was really really fun to watch good stuff shout out to the sky uh candace parker potential future long shot podcast guest by the way whoa uh, we're gonna whoa, try whoa. to man we're gonna try to manifest that by putting it onto the universe anyways let's transition to our conversation with malika andrews this is one that i particularly enjoyed uh she's incredibly bright and definitely a, a rising star in her industry and she took some time to, to speak to us which we're very grateful for yeah and arguably the busiest week of her life i mean she's the nba today show started this week she spoke with us right as that was getting kicked off um, i saw that she spoke at an espn women event uh the other day so she just she had a ton going on and she still managed to to give us some of her time which we were uh, very grateful for very grateful for it. I, I think you guys will enjoy it. And here's Melika. Hello and welcome back in to the Long Shot Podcast. We are very blessed to have a wonderful guest with us today. Her star began to rise when she led coverage for ESPN during the NBA bubble. She then served as a sideline reporter for the NBA Finals last year and became the youngest to ever host the NBA trophy ceremony. Now, she is the host of the new ESPN Daily Show called NBA Today, which is now airing. Uh, and... Yeah, Malika, thank you so much for joining us. I know you have a crazy schedule, um, but thank you for taking some time. That was quite the intro, Duncan. I'm ready now. <laughs> Love that. You know, we try to, uh, here, here at The Long Shot, we try to, you know, give our guests a nice little runway uh, into the interview. And yours is pretty easy to do. You know, you've uh, accomplished a lot, uh, particularly recently. So first off, how's everything going? I know you're in the middle of kind of a move, transition. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about, about life right now. Um, it's, it's a lot, but I'm excited, right? So moving cross country, I wasn't sure how I felt about leaving New York city. I am from California, but 
I hear all these people saying, oh, well, like, welcome back home. Northern California, Southern California, very different, little bit of a rivalry, but I am a little bit closer, but it's, it's definitely been a whirlwind just getting ready for the show that I'm, I'm so excited to, to share with NBA fans, but then also trying to make sure, you know, with, with coronavirus, all these furniture deliveries are delayed. So it's like, you get this one estimate and then it's like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll see you have a place to sleep in January. So <laughs> it's sort of like trying to get all of that together at the same time. It's been a lot, but but it's been worth it so far. Yeah, I, I will say, uh, obviously, we're still in, in the midst of the pandemic, but the ramifications of it continue to extend its its tentacles, mm. everything, you know, chip shortages, furniture, yes. like it's, it's just everywhere. Um, Which is, so I know that's like the least important part of this whole thing, you know, me whining about when furniture is going to be delivered, but it, it's just, it's crazy to see just how far, like you said, it reaches. No, for sure. Um so, uh, you know, I, I gave you a little intro, but I also don't want to discredit like prior to this, this kind of rise that you had starting in the mm. bubble, like you have multiple other stops, uh, you're incredibly <laughs> qualified, but I am kind of curious how within the last year, you know, you show up at the bubble, you're doing all the live coverage there. And then now a little over a year later, you have your own show on ESPN how has that just kind of this last year and a couple months been just from from where you're sitting? It's honestly been a little bit of a whirlwind. It's been a little bit crazy. Sometimes I have to pinch myself and say, oh my gosh, is this is this really happening? Is this really coming together? I think it's funny to think of the last two years, and I know you feel this, Duncan, when you look at the NBA season, because it kind of just feels like one long season, trying to remember, oh, did that happen two years ago? Did that happen a year ago? And like you said, I think I did make stops right before the bubble. I was at ESPN for a year. See, I'm trying to do the math stuff still before that. And then I worked in newspapers before that. But I think the thing about the bubble, at least for me in my career, and I think some of the young guys in the NBA felt this too, is that it kind of was, it was so insulated, right? And it, it, there were so few people there that it gave you, it gave me kind of a chance to showcase all the different aspects of this job all in one place. I'd never done sidelines before, but I knew how to report, right? I, I had never done as the volume of television that I did before, but I'd done it a couple of times. And so it's sort of like the for the, for the young players in the NBA who were going to give up a whole bunch of stuff, come to the bubble, and that's it. That's all there is in there. And so you saw these young guys sort of break out in the bubble that maybe you didn't see before because of that type of environment. I think, you know, I, I have... I'm a five foot seven woman. I have very little in, co in common with you seven foot NBA players, but I think in that sense, that's what the bubble was like for me. And so while I appreciate you not wanting to discredit sort of everything that I did before, I, I do think the bubble really was a, a launching pad for me. And yeah, on the one hand, it took preparation and work and all of that, but also a little bit of luck to be entrusted with that assignment and get to run with it. And I think that that sort of served as a springboard for me, but you still got to pinch me when you say I have a show on ESPN. That's to me, that is still something that is so wild and so crazy and so exciting that I get to share it with oh, hey, this is the guy who I just revered in college and Adrian Wojnarowski, and now he's on a show with me five days a week? Like, okay, cool. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it, it's honestly incredible. And, you know, from all accounts, you know, we've interacted periodically, but from all accounts, it, it couldn't be happening to a, a better person. Um, so congratulations. Oh, but 
I'm I'm curious because I've kind of gone through it in a different way mm. in that all of a sudden all of these new opportunities start start coming at you and you find yourself in these situations that never in a thousand years you thought you would be in. And something that that I've kind of talked about on the show a little bit is the importance of gaining reference points of little moments throughout your career where okay like I just achieved something now you know, maybe later on down the line when there's some adversity that strikes, like I can call back on this moment and be like, you know what, I'm, I'm prepared, I'm ready, I've earned this opportunity. Mm. I'm curious if like for a player, like we have an off season, we can kind of settle down, step away, <laughs> uh, have some perspective, especially now with how, you know, the NBA news cycle is, it's almost like the off season for you is the live wow. season, like everything is going on all the time. So I just wonder how do you kind of gain that perspective to kind of step away and be like, all right, I just went through my first NBA season. I just hosted my first uh, award ceremony, you know, this, these sort of things instead of just not having to always just be like, what's next, what's next, what's next. It's hard. I mean, how do you, how do you do it? Is it all in the off season or do you, you know, is there days in the regular season where you kind of find that that moment? I, I like, I've always kind of described it as those reference points of like, yeah. It's almost hard to tell when they come by, but like right. little moments for me that are significant and they're not always the ones that are like significant to the to yeah. the public's perception. For me is how it is. Like people are like, "Oh, you played in the finals this that." Well, actually, what was really big for me was like playing against my hometown team in the Eastern Conference Finals mm. and being influential and like moving us forward. That is what yeah. I really remember as like, "Okay, this is something I can build on." I think sometimes the really big moments that people see also line up with the really big moments for myself, like the NBA finals trophy ceremony, I think was one of them, right? I think that that was one that folks from the outside looking in appreciated, but I don't know that I've had a cooler moment in um, my career than the feeling I had standing in the middle um, of your guys' first round opponents last season, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, but sorry, it wasn't because no, you had of, to bring it up. It sorry. of the trophy sorry. ceremony. It's it's water under the bridge, doing it again next year. You guys are, it's going to be great. I'm excited <laughs> to watch you guys. But um, there's also things like, I was, I was thinking back the other day, ESPN sent me to Paris for the international games. And that was kind of a wild stretch because I was so excited to be in Paris and I went for four days. I love it there. It was awesome. And I flew back and um, Kobe Bryant died the next day. And so it was this just pendulum swing of being so excited about this assignment that it wasn't the most meaningful game. It was a little bit lopsided at the time. It was the Hornets versus the Milwaukee Bucks. And um it wasn't that game. It wasn't really about the game. It was just about getting entrusted to do those things that are kind of a little bit different for a company that is so big and that has so many incredibly talented people in it. I think that I'm a person who definitely needs to work on not looking too far ahead, not looking at, okay, that was nice. I'm going to pick myself apart, but let me just look at what I have to do next. Um, I'm getting better at it. I think that the blessing and the curse of the news cycle that you mentioned and how quickly it moves. And one thing I'm excited about with the daily NBA show is I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. 
I am the person who watches back the entire hour long show and just picks apart me stumbling on this one word or not setting my fellow panelists up for the best success or an interview where I could have phrased a question a little bit more differently. One of the things about having a five day a week show is you have to move on. It's like playing in a series in some ways. And again, like a little different, but you have to move on. You can't dwell on the last game because there's another one and it's coming and it's coming the next day. And so I think that that's sort of a new challenge for me that I'm still trying to figure out, to be honest with you, because I, I am the person who thinks back over and over and over again about that one teeny little thing that I'm not even sure anybody else noticed, but but I notice and I don't give myself a break on it. And I, I have to get better at that. You are uh, you're preaching to the choir on that one, Malika. <laughs> I feel you. And and we do these episodes once a week. Yeah. So we're like the we're like the NFL. It's like you have a bad yeah. game and then you got a week to think about it. So I, and it you makes can really sense. dwell. <laughs> then you can really dwell. And I think you know we've referenced your quote unquote meteoric rise. I think that's it makes sense, right? Like you were thrown into the bubble, your first time kind of to the general public being on TV. Mm. It's like now all of a sudden you have millions of people not only watching you, and I'm sure you feel that pressure, how could you not? But then you're getting feedback in real time if you're on social media or Oof. if you're checking news stories. And that's also new to you, I would imagine, right. at, at that point. Right, I mean, do you remember when it was new to you, Duncan, like the first time you started to get that instantaneous feedback and how that changed your thinking? A hundred percent. I was actually at Michigan. This was like still even like early, early. And I had Twitter and I like shot it well the first like three or four games. And I'm like, you know, feeling myself, people in my mansions, <laughs> all this sort of stuff. And then I just go through this stretch where I can't make a shot. And it just, everything goes down the everything tube. Goes away. Go yep. back to Williams, get out of here. I can't believe it. You should be cut. I'm, you know, whatever, all sorts of stuff. And then from then on, I realized like, even if you're listening to the good or the bad, it's pretty much all toxic. So I was just like, you know what, I'm done with Twitter. Uh, and, and I try my hardest to block it out. As you probably know, it's unrealistic that you're gonna right. be able to create like a total barrier, but still nonetheless. I, I try really hard, you know, to just turn on, cause people are, it's, I mean, I feel, Cold world for you guys, right? Like I, I experience it on a, you know, a, a fraction of what you guys do, you know, to have, 200,000, you know, followers, or whatever, versus 2 million or, you know, 20 million for, for some guys, you know, it's, it's, it's insane. People are mean. And so you're right. Like you can't get too high. It's fun sometimes. And I, you know, I, you know, I did all the turn it off. So you only see the people who, follow, who you follow that can all that stuff, but you can still find it and it still creeps in. And it, it's, it's, it's tough, man, because especially when you find the thing that you were already thinking about yourself, if it's, even if it's not that big of a deal, but if it's like, oh man, oh, someone else did see it. And so I like, and that feeling like figuring out how to turn that off. I mean, that's a whole other rabbit hole, but it, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. And so I think though, having that, I try to keep that in perspective when I'm covering these stories of, of guys who, you know, they're going through it. There are fans who feel a certain way about decisions that they're making. We're seeing it play out in two really high profile ways um, with the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. And I do try to hold, while it's my job to provide the facts surrounding that, 
I do try to hold a space for, man, that feeling though, like you're going through it. And so you have to bring, I think you have to bring empathy to this job, even if sometimes that means there's still things that you disagree with or things that are hard truths that need to be brought to the table, especially around um, the Kyrie situation. It doesn't mean you don't have empathy for someone who's trying to figure it out. Absolutely. And and I think recently in your coverage uh, of the Kyrie uh, situation, I personally feel you've done a, a really great job of kind of towing that line between honest reporting and presenting the facts and also in cases your own opinions of the facts, um, while also maintaining, you know, you are a trusted confidant of players and you have relationships with players. That's just the nature of the business. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of navigate those spaces of understanding that Okay, when when the lights come on and, and I'm on camera, I have a duty to the public and the fan right. bases. But there are many cases where I'm interacting with these players when the lights aren't on. And how do you maintain not you know maybe exposing a side of them? And not that you're like out to get anybody because obviously right. we, we know you're not. But there is a, a definitely a give and take there. Right. I think you know you and I, Duncan, we're not friends, but we're friendly, right? And I think that that's yeah. the that's the that's the fine line is that. I aim to be, you know, friendly and kind and empathetic with, because we're all people, right? And this is, this is fun. Like at the end of the day, this is basketball and this is supposed to be fun. It's hard. It has high stakes. It has a lot of money that's involved in it, but, but it's a sport and it's supposed to be fun. And so I try to bring that into the locker room when I'm building relationships with you guys. And I, I, think that I've been relatively um, successful kind of towing that line between, um, you know, making sure that we we have this like really lovely working relationship, but it's not like, you know, we're hanging out on, well, I was going to say on the weekends, but like that's when half the games are. So we definitely are. <laughs> but I, I think that right now in in so many instances, it isn't that hard. But right now as a world, we're in sort of a hard place. And so that's made it so that there are conversations or um, truths that have to be brought that weren't two years ago, three years ago, before a pandemic, um, that weren't 10 years ago, um, maybe they should have been, when um, race relations weren't quite in the foreground the way they, they are now. And so I think that first and foremost, my duty, it is to the public in terms of we're in this space in journalism. I was reading a column yesterday and it was actually about about politics, but we're in this space now where it's no longer one for one is balance. It's no longer you need to give voice to X side and Y side and that equals balance if Y side isn't factual. So it is my job to give someone the space to present their opinion. We can use the Kyrie, as an example, right? We are going to play the clips of him speaking out about how he feels because it is nobody's place to say your feelings are invalid. However, it is my job to say the science and facts contradict X. It's my job to say, Nicki Minaj, you can say that your cousin suffered some sort of issue around getting the vaccine and there are side effects, but by and large that has found in studies over and over again, not to be true. 
I have empathy for the people who the, the guidelines have changed so frequently. At first, pregnant women were not supposed to. It wasn't safe yet. And now it is. But it's my job to keep up with that and present that. So I'm never going to say someone's feelings are invalid, um, but I am going to try to bring that other side. And that's like, that's a dance. I'm not always perfect at it. And that's when the social media stuff comes in and all this other stuff comes in. But I am coming from a place of trying to do right by people and trying to do right for people. And I think trying to keep that in perspective. Um, I work for a, a network that is in part entertainment, but it's also to inform. And I take the inform part really seriously. And I think that's why I have a, and maybe you can speak better to this, but I, I like to think that's why I get along with players is I think they, they see that. I'm not trying to get anybody, but I am trying to help make the general consumer of the game smarter. No. Here, take that word vomit. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. It's it's really interesting because you you started that off with saying it's just basketball. It's supposed to be fun, and then you you go and then twenty in, minutes right. later. No, no, no. But but you go and you go and you take it to this place where you feel, and and it's interesting because I necessarily would not have thought this, but you feel that you have to be, in some ways, an expert as as it comes to vaccines or as it comes to like otherworldly events, which is, you know, people look at you and like, okay, you're a, you're a basketball reporter. You're, you cover the NBA, but in reality, like it, it's really interesting to hear you talk about this because it seems that you feel like you have a much deeper responsibility than just that. I love basketball. Like, don't get me wrong. I love basketball. I grew up going to Oracle arena. My father is the biggest golden state warriors fan. And when people ask me if, if I still have fandom to the golden state for the golden state warriors, um, my answer is I'm just a fan of yes. my dad, not being my dad, not being sad. <laughs> I'm a fan of my dad, not being sad. And so when they lose and my dad's like, hi, yeah, they lost. And I'm like, oh, gosh, can you guys just not lose? So he's not sad, except when you play Duncan Robinson in the heat or something like that. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but I love journalism. And I got into this because sports, I watched sports growing up. I love sports. But my college newspaper, the only opening they had was in sports. And so I was like, cool, I could do that. And I'll just kind of keep doing that. And subsequent opportunities opened up in sports. So when I got to the New York Times, um, what I loved is that their definition of sports was so loose. I mean, I covered the Stormy Daniels, Donald Trump saga because it played out at a golf course and that was quote unquote sports. <laughs> like that's, that's sports. <laughs> um, and so I loved that. And then coming to ESPN, I really, it was a different challenge for me to have sports be more in the foreground. And I still, I love it. I love that it's fun. I love that it's light. I love that it can be an escape within this kind of insane world right now but i do i do really appreciate the opportunities when i do get to go into something else because it kind of combines all of my interests in this in this little pot but sometimes it's just about the free throws or the jump shot or the pick and roll and i'm good with that like i like that too no that's a that's a great i mean the ability to be able to to navigate in between the two i imagine is is kind of like a, a dream come true yeah. that you can wear multiple hats and um you know feel like you're fulfilling that that purpose that you have set out for um, i think you just have to be curious right if you're curious yeah. you're a good reporter i mean and you should be curious about the world it should extend beyond whatever politics basketball soccer food whatever it is you cover you just have to be curious so Oh, sometimes I like it. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious about NBA today. 
Uh, can you give the listeners a little bit of insight of what they can expect when they tune in every day? Yes. You on the show, right, Duncan? <laughs> of course, of course. It, it, is a, it is a home and away agreement that we have. So yeah, I, uh, it, I have agreed is, to come on. That's Duncan. That's Duncan's home away from home. Just kidding. Um, I, I, I'm really excited about sharing this show because I think I've said this probably, it's becoming like a catchphrase almost, but I, I do think it takes so many parts of so many sports fans' favorite shows. I think it has the discussion and anal uh, analytical side of it. I think it has our analysts up at the touch screen, up at the hoop, recreating shots, going through exactly, you know, we're going to pick apart this play and, and, and what needs to happen in the future. Also, we have Adrian Wojnarowski breaking news on the show day in and day out because this is a you know, it's a nonstop news train in the NBA. But I think the fact that it, it, it's it's fast paced, it has the news element, it has the film breakdown element, it has the interviews from your favorite players element. It's it's really exciting. And Chinea Gumake, Richard Jefferson, uh, Kendrick Perkins, Vince Carter, Adrian Wojnarowski, and Zach Lowe, I think, and Ramona Shelburne, I think are some of the brightest and best in the business. Um, you talked about me being a, a trusted voice, I guess. I, I learned how to be that, I think, from a lot of these people. And I think that from a basketball perspective, Kendrick has won a championship. You know, I know fans, you love him or hate him, but he's been there and he's done it. Richard Jefferson has won a championship. Love him or hate him, he's been there and he's done it. Vince Carter is one of the all-time greats. And so to hear them break down the game, they do it better than so many do. And um, I'm really excited. You know, first week, we have a lot of all-stars joining the show to chat about their season, their outlook, plus seeing the way all these big stories play out. And then we get to the games. And like, that's the best part is we get to break down the games and um, it's going to be fun. I'm uh, I'm not a first week guy, you know. I'm I'm a two or three month <laughs> guy. Yeah, right, know, I, right, I don't make right, the first right. week cut. It's all right. I get it. It's all good. But I'm here the first week. That's that was the that was the, it's like all right. What are we? How are we going to do this? How are we going to break this down? Appreciate it. You uh you didn't give yourself flowers in that lineup, so we'll do it for you. You're there also, running point. <laughs> there, is, yes, you know, I exist. The, the show is the show isn't the show is in good hands, and it's daily, which means you get to give it your all on Monday and then move on, and you don't have to think about it. And for give it like mostly you. my all on Tuesday, and sort of my all on Wednesday. No, just kidding. Yes, I'm gonna try my very best to sort of that. But getting that because I went from I had an MBA schedule, right? I went the later half of the day games. Now it's the early, it's, this is at noon, uh, Pacific three Eastern. So that, that 6am wake up call is, it is something we are getting used to that. We need, we need some big yeah. face up in here, Duncan. That's what there we you need. Go. I'll <laughs> see if I can uh, cut you a deal. Cause the prices are outrageous. <laughs> the prices are steep, man, but you know, we'll, we'll work on that. But, um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the show. I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun and, I have to, the show's going to look different on day 60 than it will on day one. And it's going to be a journey, but it's, it's going to be a fun one. And I still get to be on the sidelines. So I get to, to come and see you guys and see you play. And, and that was really, um, I think so much of this league is you got to be around, right? Everyone knows everyone here. So I, that was important and I'm excited about that part too. I love it. So Malika, this is the long shot. So before you go, mm -hmm. we, you know, we like to give, we like to give love to the underdogs, the under okay. the radar. I just want to quickly get if you had to pick a team to like surprise people, come you know, a dark horse to mm. make a run this year, who would it be? 
Oh man, a dark horse to make like I'll a, say like a like, serious run or like a just. Yeah, I, just yeah, yeah. I just I don't want to hear like the 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 Nets. Uh, I'm Lakers, excited. Box. That, I'm, those ones. I'm not saying. I'm not. I mean, you guys are act like not even blowing smoke. You guys are a really interesting <laughs> team with Kyle Lowry. That's a good answer. Um, coming Seems in. a little like pandering, but I'll allow it. Sure, so. but that actually wasn't my first thought that came to my mind. Oh, okay, uh, fair enough. <laughs> so I was. I am actually. If you're talking about people, the teams to make it like far when you're looking at the upper echelon of the East, there's always a team, you know, the Knicks and the Hawks were risers last year. I think you guys are kind of primed to be a riser this year. I'm really interested to see Charlotte. I think LaMelo is so interesting. That doesn't mean I think that they're going to be the Eastern conference finals or representatives. Um, but I think that LaMelo is a guy that we we all should be watching. I think that he is, when we talk about the next generation of stars, I think he's right at the top of that pack. And so I want to see what Charlotte can do. I think, no, they, I think, I think uh, they can make the playoffs. I think they can. I think uh, people are going to be buying League Pass a lot just to watch Charlotte, honestly, mm -hmm. just because of him. He definitely has that that sort of impact. All right. Well, we don't want to take you too much longer. Um, thank you, you so much. You want to see me get my COVID test? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. I know you got all sorts of stuff going on in the middle of a move, starting a new show, uh, and, you know, many things in between. So thank you for coming on The Long Shot. And we actually we look forward to having you on again soon so be on the I lookout look forward for that. to coming back soon this is a lot of fun thanks for having me gentlemen